Perfect. Good morning and welcome to Get Enlightened with me, Lauren Scott. I'm so excited that y'all are here today and I'm so excited to bring Rachel Ruth Tate with the Astrology Roadshow back on to Get Enlightened. Thank you again, Rachel, for joining us again. I am so incredibly thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me and having me back. Yes, and Happy New Year. Whoop, whoop, 2024, baby. And to you, astrologically, we are on the upswing. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Mercury retrograde is out. We're, I guess we're still in the shadow period, post-shadow period, but. Yes. Oh, look at you, all technical there. Exactly. Mercury is direct, but it hasn't cleared its shadow yet. But we have all planets direct heading now into the rest of the year. So some good stuff to start. Jupiter just stationed direct on the 30th of December of 2023. Mercury stationed on the 1st of January. So happy new year to us. We now have clear communication, or at least we're clarifying. Heck yeah, baby. I'm ready for 2024. I'm excited, especially about the first half of this year, like what we were talking about before we jumped on. So without mm -hmm. further ado, y'all, y'all have all heard from Rachel. If you haven't, you should go listen to the first one, but we're going to jump into 2024's astrology where we're doing the first part of it, right? You said the H1 of Yeah. And we can, we can see how far we get. I have the whole year planned out, but there's just a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot going on. And I want to have you on again because you have been such a huge hit. Like everybody loved your, loved our interview and hopefully you got some clients off of it and it helped people. One of the biggest things that I have to say thank you to is you made it to where um, people that weren't in the astrology world or have a lot of understanding of it understood what you were saying. And I think that that is huge because that is something with astrology. I know myself, I know a little bit, I, I know enough for myself and like to do readings. Mm -hmm. I, I don't do big readings like you do, but I know enough, but for those that don't, it's, it's a lot. It's, it can be very too much sometimes to a lot of people. Oh, it's a whole other language. There are glyphs and there are planets and there's numbers and there's angles. Yeah. It's a whole different discipline. And so totally understand. I wanted to let you know that my followers just love the way that you did it. So we were talking before and I'm going to, I am going to have her on every few months with just kind of like a little astrology update, but we're also going to be talking about other stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So let's deep dive. Let's go. What you got for us for 2024, Miss Rachel? Well, you so kindly introduced the beginning of the year, right? Mercury station direct, and it has not yet cleared its shadow period, but that was the first major movement. And I'm not going to talk about every Mercury direct station because while they're all significant, Mercury does station retrograde and direct usually two to three times a year. So this is not uncommon. And Mercury is going to do its retrogrades from Earth signs this year. So for listeners who are like, what's Earth? Think about everything that's actually physical, that is tangible, that manifests and shows up in the material real world. Mm -hmm. And then they're retrograding from Earth signs to fire signs. So when you think about fire, you can think about things that are spiritual, things that are about energy, about passion, about, you know, verve and, and vim, like physical, literal energy of life. And so we are taking our minds, Mercury, 
from the material to the spiritual this year. And I love it. I mm. love that. I love the idea of cutting through that spiritual materialism. Absolutely. Right? Like we, we are definitely, I think, going to be alchemizing and changing because fire signs are, are plasma, right? And plasma is the highest energy state of matter. It changes everything it touches. Mm-hmm. And I think our minds are going to undergo some big changes, specifically to things that have been kind of like our material paradigms or our modes of operation or you know what we think is kind of set in stone. That's very mm-hmm. earthy stuff. And we're going to be really changing our minds in a deep and powerful way where we're not we're, we're not the same. We're different at yeah. the other end of the year. And so I'm looking forward to all of the Mercury stations, but the major, major ingress this month, January highlight is definitely Pluto. Pluto being, um, Pluto is a planet question mark. Pluto (laughs) is, it's, and that's Plutonic that we don't even know exactly what status Pluto is. And then its status is highly debated because Pluto is about power. And there mm-hmm. is power in role and power in name. And the definition of a planet is actually the idea that that planet, it has a large enough body to where it's cleared all of the bodies in its orbit. And it is the main you know, thing. It, it has its own gravity, right? Its own orbit. And so Pluto kind of fits this definition. But Pluto is changing signs, which only happens once every 20-ish, 15, 20 years. Because mm-hmm. that small kind of outer planet of power and power shift, power dynamic, it takes almost 250 years to do one go around the sun. Wow. So this is an ingress that we're not going to see too many times in our lifetime. Every person sees several ingresses of Pluto to new signs, but not many. So it's going to change a lot of the social fabric. Mm-hmm. in ways that we won't immediately see. Pluto's really famous for, being shrouded in mystery for being about the things that are hidden but that control the power kind of like the dark matter in the universe right apparently it's very important that this dark matter undergirds everything holds it up but we don't even know what it is (laughs) we don't know what it does (laughs) that is pluto and so pluto is going from saturn sign of capricorn which is about tradition, which is about the establishment, which is about the existing power structures that have been built mm-hmm. and codified materially. And it's going from there into Saturn's other sign of Aquarius, which is about the revolution against the ruling class or about the um, creating systems that are better right? People coming Mm -hmm. from the outside and revamping a system to make it more fair, to make it more equitable. It's about the collective and not about the ruling class. And so I think Mm -hmm. we're all probably feeling that sort of nebulous major shift of power in the hands of a few whom it's always been in, boomers, and then shifting. And with revolution and evolution, and with law changes and specifically tearing down of these old laws that keep people artificially small mm-hmm. and things being much more wide open, that technology just connecting us in such a way that we can have power through that connection, which is Aquarius. Yeah. So major, major changes. And I think we're already starting to see those changes. I mean, I know me and you were mm-hmm. talking even with like the Epstein case and, and things actually Perfect. coming for, for, 
forward, like completing that cycle of what has been torn down. We're actually now seeing, I guess, um, forward movement with it, the teardown of, of power, exactly like what you were saying, power shifts and power plays. Well, and I love that example when you brought it up before the show, because it is truly about, Pluto is about revealing things and the power of revelation, the yes. power that can shift when the facts come to light and when things yeah. that were previously dark or, or shrouded, it's like the power of knowledge, right? Francis mm -hmm. Bacon, knowledge is power. And so now that all of these names are coming to light, there's going to be major consequences, right? Yeah. And those consequences, Pluto's about consequences. Death is the ultimate consequence, right? I <laughs> mean, it, so it's really one of those things that puts to the normal eye and an understanding of what's happening above the sky. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's something that, that we're seeing being played out right now. That is exactly what we were talking about, which is one of the reasons why I'm using it. I know it's not something that people don't want to talk about, but it, they just let it out. What yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, with, and with Pluto and the Mercury retrograde being over. I mean, it, it couldn't be any more, perfect of an understanding if you want if you want to see what's happening in the sky just look at that situation look at what's happening with the political arena i mean i think we're seeing it play out in all kinds of different situations all the way up to the religious arena so oh yeah and this, and this pluto is side. also pluto is also the power of the unknown and the things that we don't know often we fear so pluto is also yeah. associated with fear and especially like you were saying that religious example in the past, especially, you know, the, the more distant past, but there was always an intermediary between the person and the divine. And that is a very plutonic position to be, to be like, hey, by the way, the unknown that is the Lord and that is one of all the all that is the divine, I am your only path to yeah. that. And I think we're starting to see, again, through technology, these major spiritual shifts and people mm -hmm. moving away from having churches or temples in the physical that they're going mm -hmm. to. And a lot of people sharing messages by way of, of online connections and online communities. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is a great example of that. Like you've got a community of listeners, but they don't physically meet up anywhere. Uh, exactly. We're just all here. <laughs> yeah. Together. It's, it's wild. It's wild when you think about it. It really, mm -hmm. like, if you if you don't believe in astrology, I mean, I guess you should now. <laughs> like, well, and the best example that, that, that I use with clients is, like, the last time Pluto changed signs, going from Sagittarius into Capricorn. So, you know, going from one of Jupiter signs to one of Saturn signs. So going from the cash and prizes to the, like, austerity was 2008. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's when the big banks and that's when the buttons like that's Capricorn. And Pluto is about the fear and the power and the revelation. And so, I mean, we all pretty much learned what the system was like when our favorite guy, Obama, all of a sudden bailed out all the banks. And we're like, what? what? That's Pluto mm -hmm. and Capricorn. And just a really good example of what Pluto does in the collective, because it's oftentimes much more visible there that in the individual life just because we get so few pluto transits in a personal life right mm -hmm. and pluto was just for the last year it was just about back where the united states has a natal pluto and capricorn so it was established with pluto and capricorn 
and we have just had the U.S.'s Pluto return. And I hate to to say this, but I think that we all feel as if the inception of the United States and then where the United States is now, there's a very different flavor, one yes. of revolution to one of hegemony and maybe even the loss of hegemony. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's Pluto <laughs> for you. And that's how powerful it can be in the collective, even though, like I said, in the individual life, like check out where Capricorn is in your own chart, where Aquarius is and see where you might have some of that intensity move. We've been having that intensity, that fear, that transformation, because mm -hmm. Pluto also is the one which destroys and creates. Destruction yeah. is part of creation, right? And uh, that, that Capricorn part of our charts, it's probably so freaking different now than it was in 2008. And we're really completing that cycle. Those cycles. And now, mm -hmm, starting a new one. And so. I, I know personally, um, I had a child right around that mm -hmm. time, 2007, 2008, and now he's 16. So it's gone from Oof. 15 years, 16 years of like, nurturing this baby and having him grow up and now it's a totally different life style cycle for our family so that's kind of how it's related to me now how long does this pluto enter aquarius how long will that be from around the 20th to when did you say 10 years so 20 years till 2043 20 years. but i want to make sure to forewarn your listeners there is one last pluto retrograde that will hit one degree of Capricorn. So it'll hit 29 degrees of Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And that will happen on September 2nd. It retrogrades back into Capricorn for the last time in our lifetime. Oh, Pluto's wow. retrograde about 40% of the time. So it, it is often, it takes forever. I mean, that's why it takes so long. But its apparent backward motion is, is often, it's, it's often apparently backward moving. And so yeah. from the 2nd of September until the 20th of November, it will be in Capricorn. And like you and I were discussing, Pluto will be in Capricorn for the American election in 2024. So yeah. I wish I could tell you it wasn't. It is, unfortunately. It's going it to be, be definitely interesting. Like we'll have to jump on, guys. We'll jump on right before the election and see what's in the stars with, with you, Rachel, just to see what's played out from here till then, because I think that alone is going to be its own episode. <laughs> It could be. We should do that. We should absolutely do that because it's, I mean, hotly debated among astrologers. It always is with American astrologers around the election. Yeah. But let's just say that I wish I could say the establishment was going to be gone by the election date. Not so. <laughs> Not so. <Yeah. laughs> Not so. Well, we All already right. see that, right, with the candidates that are being bandied about. But I don't want to, you know, spend too much time there in the yeah. election. We'll have our own episode. Yeah, we're just look for that major episode. shift. Look for that awesome. at the end of the month or near the end of the month. Okay. All righty. Now that we 20th. have lunar eclipses and solar eclipses this year. We should think about. Oh yeah. So there is one major, epic, super important eclipse for all the listeners that you have that live in the state of Texas. That one's in April, but there's, there's a, a second one that happens in March before that. And really, February is less astrologically charged than January or March or April. 
I'm not really going to highlight too much going on in February. Enjoy the month, right? Enjoy your life. <laughs> Just relax. <laughs> relax yeah, use that last flow. bit of, um, we'll have some Mars and Capricorn, which we've got Mars and Capricorn now. It's a good time to get stuff done. January, February, great time to get stuff done. And then we have eclipses that are coming to shake everything and everybody up. And mm. we have a penumbral eclipse, so a smaller eclipse, not an exact eclipse, not a total one just dealing with the penumbra of the earth. So a lunar eclipse over the south node in Libra. So this will be at five degrees of Libra on the 25th of March. This will be the second eclipse that we've had in Libra. Again, it's not going to be so close to the lunar node, which is where the eclipses happen in their exactitude. Mm -hmm. We should just be seeing a little bit of... Um, Letting go of the relationships that don't serve us or outmoded forms of relating because mm -hmm. the South Node is the karmic drain. It's what we're moving away from. It's the skin we're shedding. It's the past. And when we're eclipsing the moon, right, the, the moon is getting eclipsed. That's dealing with the internal, dealing with mm -hmm. the personal. And given that this is partial near the south node that drain and it's a lunar eclipse i think we might be getting rid of the last vestiges of some relationships that just aren't working out maybe this is a breakup or breakups maybe this is um, letting a friend or group of friends go right or maybe we want to change the way or release the way that we've been having relationships so maybe mm -hmm. there's a fundamental like hey say you've been doing monogamy forever and you're like, you know what? I don't know that this works for me. I might just like not try this so hard. I might do something a little different. Or on the other side, if you've never been in a relationship, maybe you're like, you know what? I'm tired of being alone. Let me see what it's like to be yeah. with somebody. And this is in Libra, which is ruled by Venus. So it will be affecting our hearts. There'll be a lot of like uh, thinking with your heart mm -hmm. this month and, and kind of really feeling into... Um, what will create more balance? Like what is, what is disrupting your flow? <laughs> What's disrupting yeah. your harmony? That's the stuff that we're going to shed and let go of and hey, really I'm just clear out. I'm always here for shedding and letting go. You know, there are some people that stress out about um, having to let things go. I, I used to think that that was a bad thing. Now I'm all for it. Like I feel every time, every time something is outgrown or let go, I'm like, okay, what's coming next? It's going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, bring it on. Yeah. And this might hit you even more deeply, Lauren, because Libra is your fourth house of home and family. And yes. so if it's one of your angular houses, the angular being the first, the fourth, the seventh, the tenth, those are sort of the most important houses. It's the cross that holds the life up, mm -hmm. um, which it is also, it, it usually contains the ascendant, which is the eastern horizon at birth, first house, descendant, seventh house, the imam coli or the deepest point in the chart in the fourth house, and then the medium coli or the um, midheaven is the highest point in the chart. So those are all important. But if you have Libra as one of your angular houses, this might hit you a bit more than it hits other people. So maybe like, we, I mean, if you don't mind my sharing this, we were talking about you potentially doing a move. This might yes. be around the time that you're like, I'm actually going to going to physically move my stuff. Yes, it is. <laughs> ah, beautiful. It is. It is. Um, it already works well, out. So 
with that, because on mine, right around the eclipse, we have a trine. And I was asking you, what's a trine and how is that good? Can you explain what a trine is for those? Sure. I think it would help to just explain the general uh, angles, right? Like the important angles. And I say the important angles, the major aspects, right? There are minor yes. aspects that add a lot of color, but those get into the weeds. So there are a few, four, that you probably hear about often. A trine, like you just mentioned, a sextile, a square, and an opposition. The last one is a conjunction, but we all know that a conjunction is when the two points are on the same point. So not worried about that. The trine is a 120 degree angle of the nature of Jupiter. So trines are about flow, expansion, and growth or augmentation. So something becoming bigger, better, something moving into the future. Sextiles are 60 degree angles of the nature of Venus. And so those are opportunities for union. Those are connections that open up. And these are smaller angles, but these are more personal. So maybe it's like um, a gift, right? That you can receive mm -hmm. a little something nice, uh, a pleasure. And then the square is a 90 degree angle of the nature of Mars. Think dynamic tension. Think perpendicular forces that come to a point and come to a head, there is a reaction. Something's going to happen, right? When things come to that head, yeah, something's going to happen. And then you have a 180 degree angle in opposition of the nature of Saturn. So when two points are opposed to each other, so they form a, a straight line. And that is more long term in its tension, its sustained tension forces in opposition are relatively self-explanatory, but you can think of it either like a tug of war or like two forces that are that are um, trying to push one into the other, right? So not pulling apart, but pressing together. They're about things that are slow, long-term, and more like intransigent, right? Mars just creates those reactions. So those are the four major angles, and those can occur between any bodies in the chart, natally, of course, and by transit. So as the sky, everything's moving around, they can form, and they do form different angles with natal planets. So if you have a trine going on um, between a planet and the eclipse point in Libra, that mm -hmm. should take you into an expansion, into the future, into the next into a better or higher realm you're going to learn something grow in some way we like trines we like okay them. good good Woohoo! <laughs> so yeah the so eclipse that, is going to be good <laughs> it's going to be good that should bode well for you um and lunar eclipses by the way will hit you more as well because you're a cancer rising so the moon mm -hmm. anything happening to the moon affects cancers and cancer risings a lot so, so this one might be eclipse on march March 25th, right? Yes, ma'am. Yep. And then the solar eclipse is? On the 8th of April. April. And this one is the big one. Yeah, let's this talk about that. This one is the big one. Total solar eclipse in Aries. And this is a mm -hmm. north node eclipse, so it's at the opposite end. And this is about what we're moving towards. 
This is where fate is pulling us. This is the magnetism of destiny. Yes. This is the hunger, right, that we have, like the maw of fate, right? And so yes. we're moving there. And, and the sun itself is exalted in Aries. So what that means, too, is that this eclipse has the potential to be more fortuitous or more positive than some other eclipses. But this is a very strong sun being totally eclipsed. This is a total solar eclipse that's happening at 19 degrees of Aries. So if you have planets or points around 19 degrees of Aries in your chart, this guy is coming for you. <laughs> this is going to be a big one. And I, I've been talking to clients about this actually already for months because one major thing, we have the sun and the moon, which form the eclipse with the earth, right? We all form that eclipse. Yeah. There's one more body that's sitting there at 19 degrees of Aries at the time of the eclipse. And that is Chiron. Chiron uh, is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell them what Chiron yeah, is. Yeah. Well, you already know. You already know where I'm going. <laughs> Chiron is um, an asteroid, and I don't often speak about Chiron because it's a bit, again, deeper into the astrological weeds, but it's a planet or a point, it's an asteroid that's so important that a lot of astrologers will use this point more so than, than most other asteroids. It's, I would say, the most commonly used of the asteroids. And it orbits between Jupiter and Neptune. So it goes sort of between what's good for us and between the potential of our consciousness. Mm-hmm. But this Chiron is about wounds and their healing. Oof. So it brings wounding and it brings healing because what would you heal from if nothing was wounded? You'd, there'd be no need for healing. Mm-hmm. But it's, yes. it, it also is an asteroid or a body that tells us that our, our, our pains are our greatest opportunities for learning and growth, that we become the healer that we need to be and that we have the education of our own hurt and it forms this healing and this healer mentality within everybody. But it also means, especially if you're young, if you're on the youngish side of people, that this is more likely to be wounding than mm-hmm. it is to be healing. You can't heal until you get that, that, that wound. But exactly. the eclipse is happening right there on that point. So I think collectively we can look for some real pain points for lack of a better term. <laughs> That's a nice term to use. <laughs> right around that time, probably uh, related to our own identities. This is a solar eclipse, and the sun is about that which is emanated outward. It's that which is the energy of all things, but as directed out, as asserted. So I think there's going to be a lot of challenges to our assertions of self, both on an individual and collective level. Yeah. that some people could emerge through this eclipse um, with amazing doors being opened on the other side. People will emerge, I'm sure, as leaders, as activists, as, you know, voices that are that are powerfully speaking truth to power. Kind of that because humanitarian is- Aquarius age, like what we were talking about, that Aquarius and Phil vibe is coming up to the surface. Well, and since we just educated on the aspects, I can say that Aquarius and Aries, they are sextile to each other by sign. So Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. There is an opportunity for the Aquarian to be taken forward by the cardinal fire Aries, which is ruled by Mars. And so Mars is the eclipse ruler. And 
getting a little deeper here, but I think your listeners can handle it. The thing about this eclipse, besides being conjoined Chiron, besides the eclipse being total, and besides the totality running down I-35, up and down the state of Texas. <laughs> so besides all that, which tells us it's going to be super impactful, the ruler of the eclipse, which can tell you its condition at the time of the eclipse can tell you a little bit about what the eclipse is going to be like as well. Yeah. Mars is conjoining Saturn as the eclipse happens in Pisces, which is the 12th house from Aries, meaning we're going to be coming undone. We're going to be coming undone and really going through some hard work and maybe yeah. some some difficult times. Difficult not in the sense that they're going to be horrible. This is in Pisces, which is a spiritual sign. It's Jupiter's yin sign of received wisdom. But we mm-hmm. might like uh, get slapped in the face by our better angels around this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what we might really get people- some downloads. Yeah, what would you tell people um, how to get through it? Like give them a little well, Since the ruler Mars is in Pisces, and Pisces is about that received wisdom, if you do not have a meditation practice of any kind, and I say meditation, returning to a point of focus of your choosing. I don't care if you're listening to a meditation, if you're chanting, if you are walking, if you are staring yes. at a candle. I don't care what you're doing. But if you have a meditation practice, amazing. Definitely lean into that. If you don't, start one. Start so just one because stay grounded. it stay grounded. And and even besides the grounding, Mars in that Piscean sign, we we will intuit what mm-hmm. we need to know. If we listen and if we if we are acting on that intuition, then we will have the best outcomes. But we have to make sure that we take this intuition with let's take it seriously yeah and i think this is back to the beginning of the podcast the theme about cutting through that spiritual materialism with the mercury retrogrades this mm-hmm. is about how do you grow up that spiritual practice how do you take those feelings and sensations that we experience in the body and then take that and form real meaning how do we get closer to God or closer to the community or closer to how do we how do we grow through the use of our intuitive tools? Because it's nice to read tarot. It's nice to do tea leaves. It's nice to do astrology or Reiki or whatever. But like for real, though, what is the whole purpose? Yeah. And the why? why? The why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The why. And once we have clarity on that why, we can get the how. It's going to be hard work. But hey, you know. Hard work never hurt anyone, right? Never hurt anybody. So listeners, buckle up, take deep breaths, meditate, find whatever works for you, ground yourself and roll with it. (laughs) That's that's and also make make sure to put it on your calendar. I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, I'll think about that and then they won't. But know where you're gonna be because it's important. Like say you're traveling or something, be prepared for something major to happen because Eclipses in general are interruptions in regularly scheduled luminary programming. The sun being completely blotted out of the sky is unusual. So unusual stuff is going to happen. Don't expect everything to happen as you have it planned or as it's supposed to go or as it usually goes. So we we can like, you know, if you if you have the opportunity to clear your schedule, do it. 
around eclipses, a lot of people likely can't do that because there's very faded eclipse shit happening for them. Yeah. Just be mindful that nothing will be exactly what you think. And then that wraps up (laughs) and we roll into... Well, the next thing I wanted to to chat about in April before we finish the uh, April major stuff is that Jupiter is going to conjoin Uranus at 21 degrees of Taurus on the 21st, which is nice. Jupiter conjunct Uranus. I was going to say, is that going to give us a little bit of a break after those eclipses? No. (laughs) Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry. I tried. I tried. (laughs) (laughs) It, it should yeah. be uh, so. Uranus is the outer planet of shock, change, disruption, oh! innovation, cataclysm. <laughs> Comple- completely opposite from what I was thinking. <laughs> so oh, basically, it's going to be the time when the changes that are happening through these eclipse portals, when we're seeing the benefits, we're going to start to see the good parts of this, or, or really um, the fruition, like when things all shake out. What, what is your, um, what is your learning or what is your, Jupiter is about growth. So how are you growing? And maybe there's a directional change or -hmm. maybe there's a sudden opportunity. This is happening in Taurus, which is Venus's other sign. So not Libra. Taurus is the more yin internal sign and it's fixed. It's fixed earth. So these things typically don't change. And we're going to be getting some positive, sudden disruption that's going to bring us an opportunity. It's going to bring mm-hmm. us some sort of benefit. And it might be material. So like, if you've been looking for a paycheck, this might be a day that you get one. <laughs> this well, might be good. the day that you get one. But it could also be maybe a time where if you're somebody who works as any kind of a creative profession, Look for this to be full of inspiration, maybe even change your modality or come up with a new modality. Maybe there's a new opportunity. Um, If you're not a creative at all and you're just a professional, some new offer or some maybe new boss, or if you're a student, maybe some amazing teacher, some like great, you know, material where you're like, wow, I just read this book and now all of a sudden I'm I'm changing my major. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of a... um, big deal. Jupiter conjoins Uranus only once. Um, well, once every at least 12 years, Jupiter takes 12 years to go around. So wow. this is like a once in a 12 years major change that has a positive benefit. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. I will say that one of the things <laughs> that we were talking about me and you, because I did some readings for some clients for the mm-hmm. year and you as well. And we both were talking about how there is a change right around, I would say the end of April, the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And do you think that it has, I mean, obviously it has to do with those eclipses, but do you think that we could, it's going to be a worldly change? I would say yes. I would say yes, mostly because I think that a good demarcation for like when things change and they're like actually changed Mm -hmm. is when Jupiter leaves Taurus and enters Gemini on the 26th. Oh, because we had the North Node in Gemini 
not 18 months ago, but 18 months before that. So like about three years ago. And that was about when everything freaking changed, right? Mm -hmm. like, it's when I, it's when I walked away from my studios. It's when the world shut down. Well, I guess it's been four mm -hmm. years now, but yeah, right around the same time though. Well, yeah, but Gemini, it was still the North Node was in Gemini at that point. Exactly. And so Jupiter entering Gemini, I think is coming to um, expand into those changes and also to give us benefits in a part of our chart where there's been like Gemini has been having a hard time. Yeah. Like yeah. the North Node being in your sign is not actually that easy. It can be compulsive and impulsive. And it can be also um, ravenous, you know, and people can, can go really hard and kind of get burned out with North Node stuff. Mm -hmm. But also Saturn ingressed into Pisces last year. So Gemini is square to Pisces. It's hard to have Saturn squaring placements or, or that part of the sky. It means that there's, there's some amount of having to grow up <laughs> that Gemini's doing. And this Saturn, or Saturn, this Jupiter being there, is going to really soften that. It's going to give us, I think, also, because um, there's going to be a Jupiter-Saturn square, that's mm -hmm. going to give us the social change. Gotcha. The social change is going to be happening. And it's going to be in a way that benefits the people. But I think um, Gemini is is the third sign in the zodiac, ruled by Mercury, but it's the twins, right? Castor and Pollux, one who's immortal, one who's not immortal. So there, there might be an asymmetry about how this benefit kind of comes and shakes out. Some of us might see some immediate benefits and some of us might see, you know, delays in what we thought was going to be good. Finding Gemini in your chart can be helpful in terms of figuring out which sort that you are. <laughs> yeah. And if you have major planets and points, they love connecting with Jupiter. But Jupiter is also in detriment in Gemini. So it's not its favorite place to be. Jupiter doesn't like to be inconsistent. Hmm. I think that we can look for the conversation collectively to be amplified. Gemini is Mercury's generative sign. So it's all about the outward creating conversation, um, exchange, talking, but like the assertions. So I think we're going to see obviously in the United States, the United States, Gemini is our seventh house for a Sagittarius rising in the chart, the, the Sibley chart, which most people accept as the U.S.'s uh, birth chart. But mm -hmm. that means that there's going to be a lot of posturing between the United States and other countries, and other, other countries. bodies. Which would explain oh, why I kept getting yeah. the tower with people through around that time, April, May. Like, And you couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's really, I think there's going to be world change in terms of who's mm -hmm. allied with who. And also there's going to be personal change in terms of our opinions. I think we're gonna get people being very loud on either end of that Gemini spectrum of opinion mm -hmm. on things. But there also I, might be the amplification of smaller voices in the collective. And this isn't to make anybody scared, guys. We're not, we're not saying tower moments to make anybody scared. It's just the realization of actually what is happening and it correlating with astrology um it's not as towers aren't scary i mean mm -hmm. they can be a little uncomfortable but <laughs> you know the only way like you said earlier to grow is to learn and sometimes it takes a tower to learn 
So I think, I'm excited about the first part of the month, uh, the first part of the year. Now, once this tower moment mm-hmm. happens, <laughs> we, can t- we, we can touch on this if you want to right now, or we can leave a little hanger for everybody because I do think that if you want to get stuff done, it is important that we do that at the, the beginning of the year. I do think that that mm-hmm. is all around what you've, what you've seen, what I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that it's the, second part well go ahead go ahead rachel go ahead and, and give a little taste of what to expect this will be a nice little teaser for you coming on right right after yeah. the <laughs> well let me echo you and say that everybody who wants some really good jupiter aka like making progress towards long-term high level higher purpose type goals do that now jupiter is direct until it gets to gemini it's going to fly through taurus and we all will have the opportunity to make things that stay, to make progress that sticks. Taurus is fixed earth. And so when it's not being disrupted, right, it's just, it tends to stick. Taurus mm-hmm. are the things that we can rely on. And I think everybody, at least who I've spoken with, um, Jupiter was, was pretty slow last year in Taurus. Taurus is a slow sign. We love yeah. it for that. It's about ease and relaxation. But I think everybody felt kind of stagnant in 2023, right? And and Jupiter at the second half of the year, we won't be feeling stagnant. Let's put it that way. It'll be like <laughs> definite quickening, definite like not chaos, but like you could get discombobulated with how much activity there's going to be. Specifically, that Pluto <laughs> coming back into Capricorn. Yeah. I think that we're going to see a lot of obviously political things going on. Um, we have more eclipses. There is our first eclipse in Pisces, which happens in September as well. And eclipses in Pisces, we haven't even seen that in 18, no, I say 18 years, nine years. Um, We get the ecliptic or the the signs change like that every 18.6 years. Full go around for the nodes, but we haven't had a Pisces eclipse, um, North Node eclipse in 18 years. And so there could be, uh, you know, some emotions that come up. Pisces is so emotional. It's the last sign in the Zodiac. We could really have some kind of major collective feelings that shift. And then an annular solar eclipse in Libra. Then Pluto is going to re-enter Aquarius right after the election on the 20th of November. And then we have the only major retrograde of the year mercury retrogrades constantly we're not worried about it venus is not retrograding this year hello we love it venus did her last retrograde this last year in leo nice mars will retrograde in leo at the end of this next year so it goes retrograde on the 6th of december and i think we're going to be kind of um the things that we were really the ways we were asserting ourselves this year, the values we were shifting into and what we were branding as ours or like mine, mm-hmm. that's going to be reworked later on in the year. So you might be like, I just established this business <laughs> and now this is me and this is what I do and this is who I am. I thought it through and I put my whole heart into it. And at the end of the year, Mars could come and be like, yeah, yeah. And we're going to rework that. <laughs> we're going to rework that. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> so I think we might next year, we might, um, I say next year, 
going into 2025, we might be feeling like we're on the back foot. We mm-hmm. might be feeling like a little, um, what's the word? We might be feeling a little like the uh, the lion who's gotten his hand slapped or something, like a little shy lion. Yeah, Leo is is the lion for for the listeners who are like, what are you talking about, lions? <laughs> Leo is a uh, means lion, and so we could be really uh, pride could be hurt at the end of the year. I feel as if that could take several different forms it's likely to be more personal mars retrogrades Mm -hmm. and leo are very personal but they also um they produce some angst so i think the beginning of this year we've got all planets direct we've got that delicious quick moving jupiter in taurus which is going to give us cash and prizes or at least a good bottle of wine or something like that (laughs) and we've got we've got the really major Aries eclipse that should, it should energize the collective, even if we have that Chiron involvement and we feel ourselves maybe um, going through some sort of a healing journey. But just, you know, if we're, if we're on the journey, Mm -hmm. let's just uh, enjoy the first half of the year. And then let the second half of the year come as it's going to with that quickness and with that um, maybe tumult, right? Or with that sort of disruption. I think that it's fair to say from June on will be a, a bit of a different year. Yeah, for sure. And we will come back. We're going to come back. What do you think? Should we do it right after after the eclipse? Jump back on and finish out the rest of the year and figure out what yeah we can do it after the eclipse we can do it right around the jupiter and gemini time whatever you think i mean jupiter can join uranus could be an amazing time to have oh some yeah too. yeah let's that do could that. be really fun <laughs> well thank you never you know so we'll pop off at the mouth <laughs> i know i know right and it's always fun with you anyway so it would definitely be an interesting conversation <laughs> Thank you for jumping on with me and thank you for giving them a little taste of the beginning of the year. Again, guys, stay grounded, meditate, take it all in and really put forth the work at this beginning of the year for the best timing to handle the end of the year. Right. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Make make yourself proud, right? With your effort, with your intention, with your integrity. Yes. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, you so much, Lauren. And I cannot best. wait until the next time. I know. I'm are. so excited. I, I just love having you on here. And again, guys, thank you for listening to Get In Line With Me, Lauren Scott. Thanks, girl. Bye. Bye. <laughs>